2: it was originally recorded on December
1: 6th, 2018. It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, inviting you to eat, drink, and be merry with us. We're at our culinary studio at the Big G Gateway Community College in downtown New Haven. We have five gigantic professional kitchens to use, part of their culinary education training program. What a show we have lined up for you. My food buddies are here. I'm going to identify them in just one second, but here's what's coming up on the show. We're excited to have Rose Levy Barenbaum. She's one of the queens Of Baking in America. She's got a brand new book, and this is a book that is for everybody, but I think especially for people like me, if you don't bake and you're just learning how it is filled with pictures, every step is shown, and it is so helpful and encouraging. You know exactly what it's supposed to look like. So we're going to be talking with her, and she's such a sweetheart, and the recipes in here, you're going to hear about her special pizza dough that she thinks is the best that she's ever had, and her very own brown butter chocolate chip cookies, little ginger people that she tells you how to make, a lot of holiday stuff. And we're going to get you ready for any potluck for the holiday season. We've got some ideas for you. My treasured food buddies are here. Chris Prosperi, Alex Province, our senior contributor, senior producer, Robin Doyen-Akin. Hey, everybody. Hey, Hey, Faye. Let's, Let's do this holiday thing. Alex, by the way, is at our sister station, KJZZ in Phoenix, Arizona. This idea of having a potluck for the holidays is a wonderful one. A lot of us have done it many, many times. We've got a couple of ideas for you that we're kind of excited about, and because we know how good these can be and how popular they are when they appear on the table, <laughs> they just disappear. There's a reason for that. So let's start with the meatball thing. Now, if you, you put out a tray of meatballs and it, people just go crazy, right? I mean, oh,
3: agreed. It, it doesn't matter what they're covered with, right? What sauce you use, whether they're in a pan or a crock pot. Where, they, where
1: they're placed on yeah. the table, I yeah. will stretch over 50 dishes <laughs> yeah. to get to the meatballs. Mm-hmm. You could go online. There are a thousand cookbooks with meatball recipes. I just was reading uh, one recently and the person said, uh, make about 12 batches of these because you cannot possibly supply enough
3: of these. Yeah. Last year, my chef, Brian, remember, Brian is the buffalo guy. He's our Buffalo sauce. Not from Buffalo, but the Buffalo sauce. So last year he had to do a potluck. I think it was his, his house, so he had to provide one of them, and he's known for Buffalo, and he did Buffalo chicken meatballs.
1: Brilliant yeah, idea. They were so good. Can and you on tell the us side, okay.
3: yeah. He did a very basic meatball. So he used ground chicken. You add a little bit of egg and some breadcrumbs to tighten it up. And then he started by doing some of the flavors and things in buffalo chicken wings, right? So he chopped up celery and he folded in right at the end blue cheese. And then he did what a lot of people did. He made the little meatballs, baked them on a sheet and then put them in a crock pot and then covered it with his buffalo sauce, which is the Frank's hot sauce mixed with butter. And he puts a little bit of honey in there too. And I'm telling you, these things were just to die for. And like you said, you couldn't have made enough because everyone brings a big pot of something and that was like the first thing to go at this party. They were that I, good.
1: My mouth is watering yeah. as I'm sitting here. You oh,
3: so good. And a little blue cheese and a little their honey. Their so sweet, <laughs> salty thing going on. I know, Alex. That's it. I have them in my pants pocket. <laughs> <laughs> My do you bring, a, do you bring <laughs> a large, like a a large purse to these parties? <laughs> 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 Plastic wrap line?
1: It's yeah. <laughs> just my Tupperware. Yeah. <laughs> I mean purse. Yeah. I would go as a buffalo <laughs> yeah. meatball to the village Halloween parade. That's what uh, I would do. Um, uh, it, it just sounds incredible. And it's such a smart idea to put the ingredients that would normally be placed on top uh-huh. Or served alongside buffalo chicken wings inside Inside, those meatballs. So I'm sure you can look up some variation of this. There's really no ruining this recipe. So he baked them in the oven for a little while and put them in the crock pot.
3: Yes. So he pre-baked them. So he made the little meatballs, laid them as he was making them, laid them on the little cookie sheet, and then put that in the oven, cooked them all the way through. And that could be done a day ahead of time. So you take them right out of the fridge, you throw them in your crock pot, you make your sauce, you throw it over the top, you put it on and then they can sit in there. The new crock pots have that keep warm setting. They can stay in there for hours. You're not
1: really cooking them No, again. you're just
3: reheating them then.
1: So you do it on the shortest setting. Yeah,
3: and it's I'm telling you they just get so oh my good. God, and that, that sauce just soaks in there too. Mm.
1: <laughs> sounds so amazing. I would have these syrup <laughs> these <meats> for dinner. <laughs> Never mind. Well, if the sweets can do Swedish meatballs for a meal, why can't we have buffalo oh, yeah. Chicken balls, <laughs> well, I don't know, I know. For, for an entree. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> if you were going to do a quick one, you know what I would do what? since we're down here in New Haven? I'm shooting over to Ikea, which is right down the street, and you can buy the frozen Swedish meatballs. Mm, they're good. And those are so good.
1: I get those every time I go over there. I mean,
3: no, Ikea is not just for furniture. You have to eat while you're there. You know
1: what else is good there? If you're having people for breakfast, <laughs> crepes, savory crepes.
3: Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: And you pop them one at a time into the microwave for Ooh. I forget, you know, 15 seconds or something like that. And they become very hot and then you would put anything you want on that crepe. You know, it could be a jam. It could be eggs. You can Nutella. do anything you want. But it's – yes.
3: It's, it's this, delicious. This time of year when you're having people over, you're <laughs> – Even unplanned people come over. The neighbors pop in. Those are great to have in the freezer because you can – they walk in. You right pull good. them. You thaw them. You got the Nutella in the cabinet. You smear them, pop them in the oven. Mm-hmm. You're done.
1: Really good. Let's all talk about the other thing that we said we all wanted if we had gone to the potluck. And that's enchiladas, putting out a tray, a big tray of enchiladas. You can make a lot of them. You could put two trays in the oven, bake them off, and there you go. I'd be in heaven. And, you know, you can use corn tortillas so that – Everybody's eating the same thing. Sure. There's no problem. There's no separate gluten-free tray. And they taste delicious because we're all in it for the sauce, let's face mm. it. Oh. Okay, Chris, you once had a recipe for yeah.
3: enchilada. And it is about the sauce, right? So you can put anything you want in them. But the sauce is – you make that ahead of time and you can keep that in the freezer too.
1: And Alex, I'm yeah. into this sauce. and Robin, you too because this is from – A woman who is Mexican, and this is her real sauce that she makes that that Chris is going to give us. Mm -hmm. And again, it's at foodschmooze.org. Okay, Chris, first.
3: First, you need ancho chilies. And if you don't know what they are, they're really just dried large peppers. They're spicy but not burning hot spicy. I mean they look a little intimidating, but they're really easy to work with. All you do Mm -hmm. is soak them in hot water. And I usually do like five minutes. She said, you know, you can do a little longer. I like to get them a little soft because what you want to do is once they soften up a little bit, you sort of rip them open and get the seeds out. Unless you like really hot, then you leave the seeds in. But I'm looking, you know, more of a medium heat to a mild heat. So you try to get all those seeds out. Then you take those anchos with that same liquid. You strain it, get all the seeds out, put it on the stove and just bring it to a simmer and simmer it for about 15 minutes until these – peppers, sort of they reconstitute and get to the point where they're almost falling apart in that liquid. And that's the base of your sauce. Then the next thing is the easiest thing in the world. You take your anchos, you strain them out of there, put them in a blender with a couple cups of that same liquid. Then the rest of the ingredients is ground cumin, garlic powder, salt. And this is the secret one that I didn't even see coming when she told us, peanut butter. And you put that in the blender. You blend it a couple times just to break it all up. And then you'll find it's a little loose. Then you just put it back on the stove, thicken it with cornstarch. And that's your sauce. What is the peanut butter doing in there? It gives it a little creaminess. It knocks down the heat of the peppers. If you use a sweetened peanut butter, which is what I use, it adds a teeny bit of sweetness. Not a lot, but just a little bit. Again, works with and against that heat in those anchos. And then you'd say your ingredients are what? Chicken, bacon and cheese. I would take a uh, let's just say a, a, one of those chickens you get at the grocery store that are already cooked, right? One of those rotisserie, rotisserie. chickens. Uh-huh. So shred it up, a couple cups in a bowl. I'd cook off some bacon, break that up in the bowl, and some cheese, and you could just mix all that what kind together. of cheese? Some shredded cheddar. You know, you can even get those blended cheeses that are made for this. sure. They, yeah, they even have a little cumin mixed in or whatever, right? Then that's your filling. The next thing to do is decide whether or not you want. Corn or flour tortillas, like you said, doesn't make any difference. If you have gluten-free people coming over, I'm with you 100 percent. Do all corn. Don't tell anybody because they're not going to know you did it special for gluten-free.
1: They're going to taste exactly like enchiladas because that's that's
3: how they're made. So so basically you take your tortillas, lay them on the table, take a little bit of that filling, run it down the middle and just roll these up. As soon as you roll them, they go into a tray and they go right next to each other. So you just stack them in there and then you take your sauce, you pour it over the top. And then if you want to, you can add a little more grated cheese on top, but then it goes in a 350-degree oven for about 20, 25 minutes until it gets all gooey and cheesy, like you said. Mm. That sauce, Yum. when you put it in the oven, it'll look like there's way too much sauce, but what you'll find is as they cook, corn and flour tortillas Sin
0: sucks enough. it
3: mm. in. Oh, my gosh. And you know, like you said, right? They're so good. My dear friend,
1: mm. the late artist Joy Wolke, would invite me every year to her enchilada Party, and she had an unbelievable recipe for enchiladas. And it was one of the happy times of my whole eating life because they were so good. There's something about yeah. that combination.
4: Here in Arizona, they call it Christmas enchiladas. They'll do the red sauce that Chris made, and they'll do the green sauce as well. And you put oh. the red and green on top, so and you have like a, Christmas a Christmas enchilada. Tree. That's sweet. Yes. And what
1: is the green coming from?
4: <laughs> it's just the green pepper instead of the yep. red pepper. Mm-hmm. Mm. Such okay. a cool idea.
1: You Don't put it past me. If I found a good little Mexican place that made enchiladas. And I'd... order a tray. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Pop no, it no in two yeah, trays. great idea. <laughs> two trays. I Pop it do. in the oven. You and bet. You I've always put out bowls of salsa. You can buy it already made, guacamole, yeah. get some chips. And really, you have a party right there. You, don't you do. do anything
1: else. And Joy would put the whole tray right straight from the oven, yeah. boom, on the table.
4: A big bucket of icy cold beers, oh, yeah. bottles of beer,
3: mm. oh, some lunch. Limes. And mm. to your point earlier, you could put anything in these. We did bacon and chicken just off the top of our heads, but you could make these all vegetable. You can, do vegan you can use ones Manchego, manchego cheese, cheese even. Manchego Ooh. cheese. Uh, yeah. You could do chorizo so. sausage. <laughs> yeah, we're all huh, thinking <laughs> down can down can the Spanish here. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah.
1: You know, you could do an Indian <laughs> version totally. Of, oh, you know, with oh. yeah. with uh, the the, the, the some Indian kind cheese. of masala sauce on top. That would be so fantastic as an oh. It's almost like the meatloaf of the Mexican world.
3: You can just put anything in it. And for potluck, it's a great dish because you make it ahead of time. And if you're bringing it over to the neighbors or friends, you can even bake it there. Just tell them, I'm bringing enchiladas. Can I use your oven for you know 20 minutes? I'll just throw it in there and boom. They're hot and ready to go. We your casserole cozy. Yeah. Yeah,
1: we do. We do need that.
3: Knitted pink yarn or something. <laughs> Have you been knitting?
1: No. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> we have a restaurant tip for you, soul food, one more party dish for the potluck, and I wish somebody would make this and invite me. And a little later on in the show, we're so excited Rose Levy Beranbaum, The Great Baker, is on the show with her new book Rose's Baking Basics. More mouth-watering conversation and fun ahead on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. I hope you will make a charitable contribution to to Feed the Hungry. We're online now at foodschmooze.org, and we'll be right back. Feliz Navidad! Feliz Navidad!
2: listening to a rebroadcast of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. It was originally recorded on December 6th, 2018. Bees and, cornbread.
3: Bees and cornbread.
1: I'm Faith Middleton. Sign up for our free podcast, meaning copy of the show. You just sign up once at foodschmooze.org. You'll see the little box, and it'll arrive to you every single week, and you can listen on your schedule anytime you want. You can build a little library. You can go back and check on things. You'll have it right there on your phone, and you can just play it when you want. In the next segment, we've got Rose Levy-Berenbaum as our celebrated chef on the show, author of The Cake Bible. She's got a new book out. Can't wait to talk with her about her very special brown butter chocolate chip cookies. Okay? (laughs) And how to make little ginger people coming your way. Now, we promised you a restaurant tip and one more potluck dish. And for the restaurant tip, this comes from Chris, and he just can't stop talking about this place, and he has really made me want to go. So tell us, what's it called?
3: It's called Sandra's Next Generation, and it's soul food, and it's right here in New Haven on Congress Avenue. And I'm just going to read the first line from the menu because it just says everything. It is said that cooking is an act of love. If that's true, then my career was born from my mother's heart. And that is the feeling. So my friend, Scuddy, who's a psychologist at Yale, and we hang out on Sundays now. He was like, have you ever been to blah, 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 next year? I'm like, what? There's a soulful restaurant in New Haven? He goes, oh, my gosh, you got to try it.
4: And look at the
3: menu. menu. I mean, it's just so – this is this food and the feeling of love that – washes over you from the second you walked in to the second they seat you sounds like to the movie. second they bring you the food. It's just absolute mm. euphoria. It's such a cool place. And it's like a neighborhood place. So it's everyone that lives in this section of New Haven getting together on a Sunday afternoon. They do a ton of takeout, like takeout like I've never yeah. seen. There was a line right. that kept going. But, so here's oh, we, yeah, we've go ahead, got um,
1: barbecued chicken, blackened fish, mm-hmm. Barbecue mm-hmm. pork ribs, fried catfish. Oh, I love catfish that. Catfish was good. Pork chop barbecue, turkey oh. chop barbecue, yeah. blackened salmon, fried or smothered pork chops. I'll
3: smothered pork uh. chops, heaven. Oh.
1: Fried or blackened shrimp yeah. and a smothered chicken. Yeah. Now, on Wednesdays, uh. it's meatloaf and mashed potato day. Oh. Thursdays, turkey with dressing. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, my god. Also on Thursdays, oxtails with rice. Oh,
3: I want to go on a Thursday.
1: Friday's Chitlin's Jerk Chicken, mm-hmm. and then Saturday and Sunday International Day. You need the
3: sides. They're just You can get like four or I would say get ten sides because the sides are just like you you, you would eat just them you're like that's the, the that's the best side. That's the best side. Oh my gosh, look All at right. the sides.
1: Caribbean rice, collard greens, mm-hmm. black-eyed yeah. peas, oh fried okra, sweet potato fries, candy diams, yeah. potato salad, fried plantains, string beans, cabbage, corn, kale, baked macaroni and cheese. Uh oh. Yeah.
3: Oh my god, everything. And was... twenty
1: one beans. Yeah, the oh. twenty one
3: beans were mind blowing.
1: This is called Sandra's <laughs> Next Generation. Catering Available. Yes. Check out everything online at sandrasnextgeneration.com. This is on Congress Avenue in New Haven. Here's a picture of Sandra Pittman. She's on the one. Back. I mean, she
3: is such a wonderful person.
1: Okay. Now, you haven't even asked me
3: about the sweets. Oh, try it. Oh my God, the sweet There's potato more. pie. <laughs> <gasps>
1: First of all, all these dishes can be in sandwiches too, Mm -hmm. which are around between $6
3: (laughs) and $7. Amazing value.
1: Okay. So, (laughs) (laughs) here's sweets sweet potato pie, peach cobbler, Uh banana pudding. Scuddy always has a banana uh, pudding. Coconut pineapple cake. Uh Oh. And a chocolate frosted cake and more. And it really
3: is made with love. I'm telling you, people think I'm crazy, but you can tell. All made from scratch, I'm sure. Yeah, and you can tell when food is made with love. This is all family. It's her and her husband and her kids. Can I just read this to
1: you? She says, since the early days, I've met and married the love of my life and business partner, Miguel. We've had four beautiful children. We've grown from $5 Fridays to two sit-down locations. It's been a long journey that my mother has taken with us, always helping, always advising, and always inspiring. I've loved and appreciated every step, and now I'm a professional restaurateur, but my mother is still the best cook I know, and I am still her student. There are some dishes that I still haven't mastered at her level. Her meatloaf, her sweet potato pie, her fried cabbage, they're still the best."
3: Wow. Don't you want to go? Uh, yeah. Like, I, I'm going to go every Sunday for the rest <laughs> of my life. Chris, I see the airport. I'm flying home. I'm going to pick <laughs> you up when we're
4: going. Yeah, and okay. again, I keep saying mm-hmm.
3: it, but it's not just the food. It's the atmosphere. It's, it's her love in the dining room, mm-hmm. just walking around, seeing, making sure you're okay.
1: That's yes. good. Yeah, yes, have I a can feel it from here. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm starving all of a sudden. Okay. We haven't even gotten to roast Rose- um, <laughs> beer uh, <laughs> this is just like crazy. Okay, yeah. Alex, I wanted to get this in because I know you just made yeah. this and I thought what a thing to bring to a potluck or to put out when people are coming over. Tuna casserole. You know Mm -hmm. that old school thing when you make it well, it is so unbeatable. So good. (laughs) Yeah. So how do you do it? I I surprised Matt uh, made it
4: for him. Uh, He wanted something healthy, and it's classic tuna noodle casserole. So you cook your wide egg noodles, a little underdone. You're going to, in a saute pan, saute some onions in butter and then in a mixing bowl, you're gonna do one part mayonnaise, one part whole milk, and one part sour cream, and a lot of cheddar cheese all ground up, no, you know, grated up, your... some peas. No. Here's what we have to make a choice. You have a choice. Your do choice. you want yeah, wait, <laughs> I'll tell you what, what after he ate it, what he said. So you can do either cream of mushroom. Or cream of Ooh. celery. And this is Ooh. the only decision you have to make. So okay. I did cream of mushroom, two cans. That's my favorite. And then um, you have this like cream sauce, and then you add drained abacore tuna. And then you add butter and onions, and you <laughs> fold it all together. You add your cooked noodles, gently fold it, put it in a casserole. You have to put on top. Crushed potato chips. <laughs> yes, that's oh. the key. One cup crushed crusher, t- which is fun because you get to buy a brand new bag and mm. you get to eat them while you're making it. <laughs> that's the whole point, no. isn't it? <laughs> so, and then it came out of the oven. Matt walked through the door. It also made brownies because the oven was already on. It is the ultimate comfort food. I got a 10 out of a 10. <laughs> so, you <laughs> so did. So juicy inside and, and the potato chips are crunchy. It's macaroni and cheese times 10. It is so delicious. Wow. So Doesn't good. that
1: sound good? <laughs> and it's a classic,
4: right? I mean, it's that absolute goes... 80s classic.
1: Don't you think it came out of the Campbell Soup test kitchen?
3: Probably. Th- they say yeah. the original one was Sunset Magazine 1930. That's the first printed version they can find of it. Wow. But I think well, you're right. I think in the 50s when Campbell came on the thing and they were looking for other uses like all the things you can do with Campbell's the green bean mm-hmm. casserole and all that. This was oh, yeah. one of theirs, right? That wow. with the two soups and just as yeah. a
4: family, you, you come down and take it out of the oven, you yeah. put it in the middle of the family table, everyone scoops everyone it a, out, <laughs> scoops it out, and then brownies for dessert. And we use a brownies <laughs> yeah. pan that it's all corners, so it's like
1: I know, so every piece is I a know corner. that pan, okay? So Quickly, everybody, you want to talk about – just brainstorm some ideas on little food things that you could make quickly for people in the next couple weeks to give us gifts. I have a friend, Caroline Wharton, who (laughs) makes these little – Coffee cake. She has those tins where the one tin has, you know, I don't know, six little coffee cakes. Mm -hmm. And she gives everyone a little one with a bow around it. And it's one of my favorite presents to get because it's delicious coffee cake. Uh
3: So you you can do that. Yeah, I have one that I'm doing this year. After, I don't know, 20, no, 30, no, 40 years, I finally made up with gin Gin and I had a bad parting years ago. G G G I N G I N. (laughs) We don't talk. We had a bad time, long time ago, and now we've reconciled. So I'm taking golden raisins and I'm soaking them in gin for at least a week and then they soak up the gin.
1: Are they supposed to be covered?
3: So I take a mason jar, I pour a box of raisins in there, and then I cover them in gin. And whatever gin you have, whatever your favorite is, doesn't matter. And then put the lid on it, throw it in the fridge. You should do this for at least a week. And then what I'm doing is I'm taking a little jar. I bought these little two-ounce mason jars. They're teeny little jars. And I'm going to fill them with the raisins. And then on as a little necktie kind of thing on it, I'm putting a Negroni recipe on it. And I'm going to do an Aperol Negroni to make it a little different, which is basically equal parts sweet vermouth, gin, and set of Campari, use Aperol. You're and not going to
1: make a drink for them. You no. can
3: give them the recipe yeah. and then you put – Put a couple of gin-soaked raisins in the Aperol Negroni, which has this like – cranberry kind of orangey wow. color. Mm-hmm. So it's a great Christmas drink.
1: Can you make it with vodka? Sure. Also? You can make it with
3: whatever you want. Yeah, Rum or yeah. so you, any of those spirits. Sure. You, you can would soak. And it's very inexpensive and it's really neat and thoughtful right? Because you give them a recipe and it well, doesn't cost fun. a lot of money and it's fun. Really and fun. And even if you're not making the drink the yeah. gin soak raisins are pretty good on their own. Oh wow. <laughs> okay. If you had anything to drink just a few raisins. <laughs> Uh, you know where the idea came from who loves the negroni here because of Robin, yeah. I I did the Gin Necroni.
2: That makes me so happy. Hmm. And also, See, I, I know what my Christmas present is this year, too. Yes, you're getting gin-so-draisers. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> toss out some ideas. Come on, uh, toss out some ideas. How about
4: fudge? That's mm. so 1950s. Mm. I like Rob. Roll. Alex, you're
1: so nostalgic. So yes. good. Oh, yeah. of it
4: reminds me of my mom's cookbook, the plaid mm. one.
3: You know, this would be one of the pages. Like, yes. Fudge. I love Fudge.
1: Chris, that's pretty much all you do now is give food as gifts, right? Yeah,
3: and not just me. I've passed it on to my entire staff. In this time of year, everyone starts getting busy preparing what they're going to do as a Christmas gift, and we trade. So I'll make a little extra raisins for Brian. Brian does his hot sauce every year. He makes a little extra hot sauce for me. Sierra and I made a big batch of sauerkraut, so we're going to get that in the jar. So we like to do preserved things because it's easier. You don't have to worry. And they lasts a long time, like his hot sauce has an unlimited shelf life. We like to do things that last. So three months from now, you've opened your refrigerator and you see the gin-soaked raisins or the sauerkraut. And it makes you think like, oh, yeah, Chris at Metro made that for me or you I know, don't Sierra at Metro made that for me.
1: It means so much yeah. that someone yeah. actually makes this thing for you. It's not how elaborate it is. My so- favorite birthday
4: present is if someone makes me a real cake with real buttercream. Yeah, you know it doesn't get any
3: better than that. Yeah, better than any shirt or tie or sweater.
1: We're going to make you very happy in this next segment. You know, (laughs) you're You're getting some cake. You're going to hear about some cake (laughs) Um, because Rose Levy Barenbaum is joining us. If you're just joining the show, she's coming up shortly, and we're very excited to have her on the show. I have a friend who goes out and buys those giant bags of very fresh pistachios and then divides them up into little pieces of pretty fabric. Yeah. And puts a bow and gives you a little fabric bag of pistachios. And you realize from having them that all the other mm. pistachios are, no good. <laughs> are just, like, I don't yeah. know what in the world. who does so love good? Nights, yeah.
3: Popping them all open. She and, goes yeah.
1: to, you know, an international market of and, yeah. and buys, oh, you know, a ton of them. Yeah. And one of the things that we've talked about on the show, I think probably every year, so now's the time, There are places where you can get products made in Connecticut by small artisans pass them on mm-hmm. as gifts to people a it might be of a fudge sauce it might yeah. be a local juice it might be eggs from a local farm Six whatever it of is beer. you could do yeah, yeah. you could sure. do a gift basket or you could just choose one of those items yeah. and yeah. say at our house we're supporting yeah. connecticut products this year and That's so this idea. is something that we really like you know half a dozen cider donuts from one oh, of the farms. Yeah, you could just go on and good. on with this. It's <laughs> a great present. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good present.
2: <laughs> I really, I don't need any more things. So by all means, but, bring food over. Yeah, yeah, but
3: you definitely could a use some more donuts. <laughs> donuts. <laughs> you could use a dozen donuts at any given moment. I
2: know. I will not be re-gifting. <laughs> This
3: yeah.
1: one
2: has a bite out yeah.
1: of it. <laughs> <laughs> I just they only come to say, in 11. <laughs> I just want to say when I had got that scariest of all scary phone calls from Jacques Pepin, who was coming to dinner, and he said, uh, Faith, I hope you don't mind. I'm bringing Jean-Claude. And, you know, he was the pastry chef to the president of France. If you don't mind, he and his wife are coming with us to dinner too. <laughs> and I thought no I would pressure. die. I mean, I really, I was Wait. thinking, oh, my God. I don't bake. As yeah, you're that Carmel ice
3: cream cake's not going <laughs> to cut it.
1: <laughs> so I was thinking and thinking, and I thought, you know what? What do I like? I like those cider donuts at Bishop's Orchard. <laughs> yep. And he I is. went to that farm stand and I got those cider donuts fresh. I got them Hot. fresh and I yeah. put them in the oven nice. when it was time for dessert oh. and then scooped vanilla ice cream on top Have even the pastry chef to the president of likes France donuts likes cider donuts. So <laughs> there you go. You kind of can't miss. All right. I can't wait for this. Rose Levy Barenbaum is here with her new cookbook called Rose's Baking Basics. And even I Wanna Bake, and you'll hear <laughs> how wild that is. Um we love the local. Please support your local food growers and food makers. Great stuff coming your way. We'll be right back.
2: Oh, I- You're listening to a rebroadcast of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. It was originally recorded on December 6th, 2018.
1: I should do like those Christmas cookies, sugar. I should do like those Christmas cookies, babe. That look like Santa Claus, Christmas trees and bells and stars. I should do like those Christmas cookies, babe. I'm Faith Middleton. This is the Food Schmooze Party offering the richness of life. Coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York. New York including Westchester County, the east end of Long Island. That includes the Hamptons, of course. The senior producer is Robin doyen Aiken. And to hear this show on Connecticut Public Radio, it airs Thursdays at 3 and 9. You can get podcasts and our curated recommendations always online at foodschmooze.org. If you love to bake, all I have to do is name our guest, Rose Levy Berenbaum, And you have probably saying to yourself, I have all her books. So I can't wait to talk with her about this newest one, Rose's Baking Basics. She's done something rare in this book, found a way to present her recipes for both novices and home experts, I'll call them, plus people like me, the terrified baker. (laughs) The way Rose Levy-Bernbaum and her team have done this is to provide pictures of just about every step in every recipe. A little like watching food TV, you know, where you love seeing how things are done, except you can pause over a picture and see what does that loaf look like? How did she fold this thing? You know, it's like uh, food TV at your speed. So (laughs) I love that about this. And the thing is that as a terrified baker, I read her books. I don't bake because I'm like my Chris. I'm absolutely Ew. terrified <laughs> of making a mistake, not understanding the science of things. I don't even get in there and try, but I read Rose's books like novels. You know, I fantasize that I'm making them. And this book, though, I have to say, Chris, makes me feel like I can do this. Okay, so we have recipes posted from the book. To give you a taste of it, at foodschmooze.org, we're going to talk about those recipes, especially the brown butter chocolate chip cookies. But lots of other things, too, very holiday-oriented. The author of Rose's Baking Basics, Rose Levy Berenbaum. Welcome to the Food Schmooze Party.
0: Thank you, Faith. It sounds like a pun, but I was honestly going to say you have to have faith, and I realized (laughs) (laughs) you should have it. It's your name. I mean, if you work from this book and believe everything I say is going to work, it will work because all the information is there. The only thing is it's better to weigh than to measure
1: Better to weigh than to measure. And uh, I don't I weigh anything, including myself.
4: <laughs> no scales. It's, like a, it's a bumper sticker.
1: Okay. This idea of going with all these pictures, were you afraid that this was too basic for you? I've, I've really done all these other cookbooks. You kind of hinted at that in your introduction.
0: That's true because... When the editor proposed the idea, I said, people are baking from all of my books, and even very young people get Blue Ribbon Awards at county fairs, so why should I step back? Then I realized it wouldn't be a step back if we could have pictures of all the step-by-steps, because that would benefit, as you so wisely put it, even experienced bakers. This is the ideal way.
1: You show it evolving. Here's when I put this much cream into that pan, then I add this much more, and then I'm putting a little chocolate on here. See what I'm doing?
0: The photographer was able to capture all of that, which is amazing. Having those steps is invaluable.
1: Yeah. One of the recipes that I just mentioned that, thank you for this. Uh, You allowed us to put this up on the site so people can experience the kind of thing that you do, and I hope you will experience this one. (laughs) Send them to me. I'm a nut about brown butter. I think it is the most beautiful thing. If something calls for butter, Alex, as you know, (laughs) I'm making it into brown butter. And you
0: said nut because in French it's bernouisette, which means hazelnut.
1: Yes. Yes. So this is your chocolate chip cookies, and you're using brown butter in these. We're talking about unsalted butter, egg, walnuts, flour, baking soda, sea salt, light brown sugar, granulated sugar, golden syrup or corn syrup, vanilla extract, and dark chocolate chips. Why brown butter? What is that going to give this recipe?
0: The reason I use the brown butter is because I clarify the butter to get rid of the water. That gives a chewier cookie. And I thought, if I'm going to be clarifying the butter, why not brown it and get more flavor as well?
1: Yum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't that just a great idea? Then
0: the solids are also delicious in the cookie. That's I, what's browning. I, and when all of the water disappears and evaporates, the solids begin to brown, and they yeah. take on that wonderful flavor. Yeah, And
3: that's brown uh, butter.
1: I and never thought about yeah. what actually is browning. I'm so yeah. glad you explained that. So that's going to add a richness. Then this business of using either golden syrup or corn syrup. A lot of people use Lyle's, I think. What does that do in this recipe?
0: Corn syrup only adds sweetening. But the golden syrup adds a butterscotch lilting quality. Ooh. It's incomparable. There's no going back after you try that. I going to have to get some of that. <laughs> and, of course, the reason I put the syrup in to begin with is to give a chewy quality. It used to be I'd look at a recipe and see one thing or the other and think they were synonymous. But it's not so. The first choice is always the better one. The second choice is if you really can't do the first choice. Mm. (laughs)
4: Nice. I like that. Mm. (laughs) It's
0: true for so many things. (laughs) It is. For years, I thought that cilantro or parsley were synonymous when Pierre Frenet wrote about it. Then I tasted cilantro in India. (laughs) Oh, it just is no flavor in the parsley compared to cilantro. Uh
1: Why do you put both light brown sugar and granulated sugar in?
0: That's, again, for the chewiness that comes from the molasses and the brown sugar. But too much of it, it would brown too much and it would maybe be too strong in molasses. So that's why there's a balance of the two.
1: And this recipe we're talking about, these are roses, personal chocolate chip cookies. And so if you follow her the way I do, as I do my fantasy baking and eating, you know, you can see pictures of here's what the butter looks like. Look at her fingers getting the skin off the walnuts so it gets rid of a little of the bitterness that comes with the walnuts because of that little bit of skin. Look at this picture of the bowl that with the dough in it. It shows the texture of the dough when it's ready to be then rolled into the balls. Here's what they look like. you see this is how thick they're supposed to be. And then you see them on the wire rack outside the oven. It's just fabulous.
0: And can you imagine all the work that went into that? The photographer took 15,000 shots. Wow. And had to, <laughs> so we were supposed to have 500 but we all loved them so much that we, even the editor said, we'll just give you more pages.
1: That's amazing. <gasps> wow. I think it's
0: invaluable. I mean, it just I've never seen anything like this before. I'm so happy with that yeah. it came out as well. Yeah. Like, better it, even than expected. It mm-hmm.
3: reminds me of Jacques Pepin's first couple of books. Remember La Method and La Technique? They were photo that, books, right? That's
0: mm. what inspired me. Yeah. I always wanted to have a book like that. Yeah. And I, but I wanted the pictures to be larger in color.
3: Now,
1: this is such an interesting idea to me. Cream Cheese Crunch Pound Cake. Pound cake by itself is, I think, unbeatable when you do it well. Now you've got a crunchy topping mm. on it. Almost it feels streusel-like. Yeah. So it's like a cross between a pound cake and coffee cake.
3: Ooh. I eat the top <laughs> off the coffee cake. That's it, just that crunchy part. I'll eat the bottom part Chris, for you. <laughs> yes, that's a
1: good way. It's like having an Oreo partnership. Um, unsalted butter, graham crackers, pecan halves, and sugar. That's what makes up this Louisiana pecan crunch coating. So tell me how you came to this idea, putting this kind of topping on a pound cake.
0: It's my protege, David Shama, who wrote the foreword and to whom I dedicated the book. Mm -hmm. He's such a recipe sleuth, and he told me that the Louisiana crunch topping is really terrific, especially on a pound cake. The original one, the crunch part, had powdered sugar. It doesn't actually come from Louisiana. I think it comes from Texas. But someone thought... It would be a more romantic name to call it Louisiana, <laughs> I don't know why.
1: <laughs> so you made this in a loaf pan so that when you slice it, it's got that crunchy business all the way around.
0: <laughs> That's one of my favorite photos in the book.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. My hand looks like it's loving it.
1: We don't happen to have that posted on our website, but I just couldn't resist what we do have at the website, and we are talking with Rose Levy-Berenbaum, Beranbaum, is, I think, one of the queens of baking in the United States of America.
0: Wow. She's
1: done this new book, Rose's Baking Basics. For the holidays, we couldn't resist. This is um, something that Robin Doyen Aiken, a senior producer, chose. And it is so smart because at the holidays, you say this to kids especially and for people like me when I go into a store and they've got gingerbread folks, oh, yeah. as, as you call them. <laughs> I love them. I'm just like, oh, um, I am absolutely eating these. So this is how to uh, make them. For them to have that lovely spice flavor that makes them not just an object that you would hang on a tree, but something truly delicious.
0: Do you know that I still have the dough in the freezer from last Christmas, from the photo shoot? Ginger is a preservative, and it will keep it really well, especially in the freezer, almost indefinitely.
1: So make a double batch of dough, that means.
0: Easily. Sounds
4: very Egyptian.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, you find it in the pyramids. (laughs) There are many ways you can decorate, as I show in the pictures of a little mouse in them in Red Hot. Raisin eyes, little well, currants, or a better size.
2: Mm. But
0: I think the royal icing is just egg white and powdered sugar. You can even buy it in candy supply stores, but it's so easy to make and really fun to decorate. And another important thing is that I used to forget to put the whole, when I want to hang them, You have to put the hole in them before baking, because if you try putting it in after, it will probably split the cookies.
1: I love that, and we have that posted at foodschmooze.org.
0: Hey, how many freezers do you have? A lot. We had to buy a new refrigerator freezer to do this book and put it in the garage. that we needed to rewire, because it takes a lot of current for running them. We have three Wow. And and I tend to use them so that I don't know what's in the back of each one because, you know, like I found 18-year-old Concord grapes. Yeah, and they would good. No they were vibrant. You know, <laughs> it's called wine. <laughs> yeah, I try to be good about writing down what's in the freezer and
1: refrigerator. but This is where the people are going, just don't go to her house for dinner.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Come and help
2: me. <laughs> it's
1: funny. Okay, here's another one that you allowed us to put on the site, and we thank you for this because I am crazy about chocolate and caramel. Mm, so they- this is Your milk chocolate caramel tart.
0: Yes, and there's a dark chocolate version with the fleur de sel on top. See, with the dark chocolate, Mm -hmm. you can use more caramel because it's not too sweet. Mm. With milk chocolate, you'll notice it has a thinner layer on it. You just landed on one of my top favorite recipes in the book.
1: Does that mean for you that you would make this many times?
0: Yes. When somebody says, come for dinner, which then I always say, I'll bring dessert, (laughs) and that's when I start remembering my favorite things. My favorite new cake is the triple lemon bun, and I love it so Uh much. After the book was already at press, I created the triple orange bun, and the recipe is on my blog. You can use blood orange zest in it, but you don't have to. It's wonderful with regular orange. But the lemon, the triple lemon in the book, is my top favorite cake now.
1: I'm just crazy about lemon. Yeah.
0: I think we have the same flavor preferences. Oh, yeah. chocolate, lemon. Actually, I prefer lemon to chocolate. That's my number one flavor.
1: I am trying to cut back on salt a bit. I'm always looking for things like I stumbled on your pizza tomato sauce, your favorite pizza tomato sauce, which is in this book, in the tart section. And I was excited because it it would enable me to buy canned tomatoes that don't have 1,000 pounds of salt in the pizza sauce that's in a
0: jar. And I'm sure you've discovered that vinegar, acid, lemon, replaces salt. It gives that uplift, that lilt.
1: I see this in your recipe, and I was really curious why that was in there. Was it a replacement for a splash of wine? It was what my theory was, which would be acid. But now I see why this happens.
0: I think the best tomatoes in the world probably come from Sicily, the San Marzano. There are a lot of imitations, but anything that grows in volcanic soil, like the Muscovado sugar from Mauritius, from the island of Mauritius, that I recommend from India Tree, has so much more flavor and complexity. It's the acidity that gives it that.
1: And I don't see why I would just have to use this for a pizza. I certainly would use this with pasta, rice, quinoa. Your recipe calls for olive oil, sea salt, oregano, crushed red pepper flakes, the San Marzano, whole peeled tomatoes in a can, a little bit of garlic, and a splash of... Uh, red wine vinegar. So that sounds absolutely delicious to me. And there's
0: a reason I call for sea salt in recipes. People wonder why, and that's because it's standard to measure. Fine sea salt is always six grams per teaspoon. But in books or recipes where people say kosher salt, you don't know which type of kosher salt unless they specify. And one type is kind of hollow. I think it's a diamond. It's about half the weight. So you, if you're using the other one, you're getting a lot, almost double the salt. Yeah. So the, de- de-
1: the detail you're getting into right there, are you saying that perfectibility ensures the best flavor, that that's what we're trying to do, is be as close to perfect in duplicating recipe as possible when we're baking?
0: Yeah, when it comes to baking, the closer you can get to what's intended the more your chances that you're going to get something wonderful. But it's also the quality of the ingredients you use. If somebody specifies dark brown sugar or unbleached flour versus bleached flour, it makes a huge difference. If you want to try substituting, at least make it the first time the way it's been specified to see what it's supposed to be. And then you can play around with it. But I always recommend, we all learn this in high school science, Always change one variable at a time, because if you change two, you don't know which one was the one responsible for the outcome that you may or may not like, you know?
1: I do know. I tried to perfect brownies once, and I made 20 <laughs> trays. Wow. And by the time I was done, I had no idea what
0: what one was,
1: what, what did I do with that? And I subtracted what
0: from that? Oh, so. I dreamt about brownies last night. You've just made me remember that.
2: Ah, we're on the <laughs> same page. I,
0: I, I think I'm too much into this baking thing at this point that all I think about, because we've been traveling around demonstrating and talking about it, is baking recipes. But I do cook, and I love savory cooking, and that's why I'm glad this, the book has a chapter on bread, including my favorite pizza, which I must have worked all my life to get to the point where it's airy and bubbly, It has a slight chew, but it's tender. I'm just so Mm. thrilled with that pizza crust. One of my major secrets there is to make it a day ahead because you can still get a good pizza without waiting. But if you wait a day ahead, you get more bubbles. It's much better texture.
1: Ah, isn't that the best? Have you met a gluten-free flour yet that you like
0: What I have met is gluten-free recipes that don't call for flour at all. (laughs) Good answer. I mean, I love flourless cakes. I don't like flourless bread, I have to admit. Mm -hmm. But I have tried two different ones, and I thought if I could never eat bread again, maybe. But since I don't have a problem of gluten intolerance, it's very hard to be motivated to use something that is such a compromise. And there's some wonderful work being done on that. But it's a specialty, and I have enough trouble getting all the things out that I want to share.
1: Thank you very much for being on the show. It is just such a treat, and you're just an amazing, amazing cookbook author and baker. Just stunning. Thank you so much. Take care, and happy holidays. Thank you all. Rose Levy Berenbaum, author of Rose's Baking Basics, filled with pictures of all the steps. We're on Connecticut Public Radio Thursdays at 3 and 9, and never eat more than you can lift. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton.
0: Come on!